You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for His purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real-life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode 15 of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Erin, a lot of our listeners know that you and I have been talking about the issues Christian parents face today for several years now. We've just been doing it using a different platform. That's right. For the last two years or so, Brooke and I have been coming to you live on Facebook for weekly episodes of what used to be called Mob Live. Of course, Mob stands for Mothers of Boys. That's where the whole idea of talking about important issues started. And we did something like 50 episodes over that two-year span, many of which you guys asked us to make available in a podcast format. So that's what we've decided to do. Over the summer of 2019, we're going to be mixing in some of our favorite older episodes of Mob Live and offering them here as podcasts. Believe me, guys, there were some absolutely fantastic episodes, and we don't want you to miss out. Today's episode is part two of a fantastic conversation we started last week with our guest and my co-author of Hope for the Weary Mom, Stacey Thacker. Last week, we got started talking about the first five of 10 truths you and Stacy have learned about living in the hope of the gospel as moms since you wrote Hope for the Weary Mom over eight years ago, and they were so good. If you didn't catch that episode, it would be great to go back and listen to it first as it serves as sort of a foundation for this one. Brooke, remind our listeners, what motivated you and Stacy to write Hope for the Weary Mom in the first place? <laughs> well, I think at a very like gut level, like a very primal level, it was just because we were two very weary moms who needed hope ourselves. We like to joke and say that hope was birthed in a closet in the middle of a hurricane. Literally, it actually was. <laughs> that, is, that is a very dramatic birth story. It is a dramatic yeah. birth story, but it's also a great word picture of how we felt at that time. Mm -hmm. Stacy penned the words about how she was feeling as a mom in her closet in Florida while she huddled with her four girls there in that closet during a major hurricane in Florida. Her life felt like it was spiraling out of control. And so she wrote this resignation letter, if you will, to God, telling him she no longer felt she could uphold the responsibilities of motherhood. It's pretty funny now when you think about it, and you can actually read the whole letter in the book. But when I read that letter on her blog, something deep within me moved. We didn't even really know each other that well when I reached out to her and said something like, hey, Stacy, I hear you on a deep level. Let's write something about this together. And you had actually experienced some major losses in your own life that were making you feel pretty out of control as a mom too, right? Uh, I know several family losses, 
a miscarriage. Yeah. Don't leave out two crazy boys that were born 23 months apart. We can't forget that part. (laughs) That's the part that made it feel like there was a a hurricane getting ready to touch down in our lives at any moment. Right. Of course. And those boys are now 12 and almost 14, a far cry from where they were when you first started writing. Yeah. A lot has happened in those eight plus years. And honestly, most of it is just the normal maturing and growing kinds of things that children do. But in the process, I've learned a lot more about living with the hope of Jesus in mind. And that's what you and I and Stacy talked about last week. And we're going to finish talking about this week as we share the last five of those 10 truths we've learned about hope since writing Hope for the Weary Mom. If you don't already have your copy of that book, check it out now in the show notes for today's episode at millionprayingmoms.com. Let's get started. All right. Our sixth truth, that's a mouthful to say, is um, that we're sharing today is hope heals. Mm. Yeah, hope heals. Um, This this reminds me, you know, you mentioned the message. There's a a version of the message of uh, Psalms 23.3, which says, True to your word, you let me catch my breath and you send me in the right direction. I think what hope does when we encounter hope is that it lets us catch our breath and that hope um, comforts us and gives us the grace and mercy we need. And he takes us in and we, we find that rest and rest from our weariness. And, and I think a lot of times as moms, we really feel like that, ho- that healing moment has to be like six hours on Sunday or, you know, an hour quiet time every morning. But I think there's some truth of what, um, what I like to call like hope moments where you can enter into those kind of hope filled moments, those healing moments of your day. It might be while you're washing dishes, you know, it might be why the kids are napping. It may be, okay, let's just talk about like when I'm in the van by myself, when I pull into the driveway and the kids aren't with me and like, I just sit there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never done that. I know where well, you just kind of go, okay, if I go in, it's everything's going to be like, it's game on. Right. So I just sit here and have like a hope healing moment right now. I can just me and Jesus, Jesus, we can just talk right here. Like, I just need you to let me catch my breath. Right. Um, our friend, Kristen shell from the turquoise table calls these Sabbath moments, um, which I love that just taking a little Sabbath moment. It's just a little hope pep talk for your heart. Just Jesus, you're here. And we're going to talk about this towards the end about how you can actually walk through that. But I just think the fact that hope heals is, I mean, that's really what we've gone through in the past few years as we went through this journey is that hope enters in, he heals your heart, he works through your mess, and he, he lets you catch your breath. So that's, that's, I think that's just such a sweet encouragement. It is. There's a verse that God gave me in Hosea. Um, as I was studying Hosea, as we were talking about it earlier, it's Hosea 6.1. And I like to read it from the English Standard Version. It says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. God never tears except to heal. Yeah, never. He never strikes down except to build up. So if you, there is always a purpose in when you're feeling those weary, messy, hard moments. Again, it's that eternal perspective versus a temporal perspective. We got to keep our eyes on the eternal. Mm. And it's not a finish line. Like, I think it's important to remember that when, when we say that it heals, it's, Yes, we are saved at once and for all and all of that, but we will have to keep going back for healing things. We live in that messy, broken world where it needs to, it's a process. It's mm-hmm. like, 
it is not wrong to feel like you need to go back to Jesus for healing every single day mm-hmm. or many times a day, like or an hour or <laughs> every hour. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, you know, Someday. that, that yeah. time between when they get home from school and they go to bed, maybe every minute, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, like there's not, there's not like a, I've arrived, I'm healed. Everything's good moment mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. we're in heaven. Mm-hmm. So just remember yeah. that once we, when we say hope heals, he'll do it over and over again. Yeah. For yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Um, truth number seven today on the 10 things that we've learned about hope is hope abounds. Ah, praise God. We can't, we can't ever run out of hope. Like I love, I think probably one of my favorite hope verses is Romans fifteen thirteen, And this is why I love it. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that see the power of the Holy spirit, you may abound in hope. Like it's like hope bookends that verse, like the God of hope and abounding hope. And in the middle there's joy and peace and the Holy Spirit giving you that power. I feel like sometimes we feel like we're going to run out, you know, like we're going to run out. Like it is abounding, overflowing. It's like, for me, the picture there is um, when, when we do get, drink hot chocolate, which is like maybe like two or three days out of the year here in Florida, like my <laughs> daughter gets that whipped cream can, you know, just, you know, and there's like abounding whipped cream going over the side of our hot chocolate, but there, you can't run out. Like you can't out need his ability to deliver hoping not because that power that rises up within us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And it does not ever, ever leave. And it's, it's abounding. And to me, that's encouraging because I feel like sometimes I'm like, really, Lord, like I'm pretty needy today, you know, but his hope abounds is such a, is such a drawing verse. It draws me to want to go back to hope healed. So. Yeah. I've got nothing to add to that. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and now I, I want mean, hot chocolate with whipped cream. So. Right. <laughs> Oh, except it's going to be in the eighties here in Virginia today. So I will not be having hot chocolate. I'm actually drinking iced coffee because you know, it's hot. It's smothering hot. So you can put whip on that too. I could. That's, that's true. When I think of hope, I'm just going to think of whipped cream now. So yeah, yeah it's a good go. visual, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Abounding in whipped cream. All right. <laughs> Number eight about the 10 things we've learned about hope is Hope endures. Mm. That's well, you, hope is, Yeah, hope. Uh, motherhood is not a sprint. You know, I mean, I'm 18 plus years into it. Um, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And I remember when we went back and um, we we have written this book three times. The first book we wrote three times. We wrote it in a little tiny ebook and then we expanded it. And we did that one where we gave it away. And then when um, we traditionally published it, uh, we needed to add some words and one of the discussions we had was like, we need to have something for the moms who've been doing this for a while. And so we came up with this idea that, uh, that motherhood is a marathon, the marathon of motherhood. And, and Brooke looked at me, she's like, well, you're farther on down the road than I am. So you get to write that chapter. <laughs> so it was such a joy to write it though, because I really realized that within that journey of motherhood, that we, that Jesus sets the pace and that he runs before us, that he runs with us, that he equips us. And he gives us everything we need, um, but that, that, that hope endures means we don't ever have to do it alone. And he's always going to refuel us as we return to him. Um, and just to keep that in your mind, there's no, there's no like, um, th- there's no magical finish line. I remember early on, I had some well-meaning women go, oh, it gets easier. And the longer I do it, I don't think easy is, is the goal. I think it's, it's, it's endurance, right? I think it's um, that motherhood doesn't get easier. It changes. There's no easy button, right? 
it doesn't get easier and things change and shift. But um, the fact that hope endures reminds me that I, I have everything I need to run the race with him and, and run with full in, full out. And I know, Aaron, you have probably tons of examples in your marathon running that you can add to that as well. Well, I, yeah, I was just thinking a couple things. Number one, when we use the term, like when we say something is a marathon, a lot of times people just go negative on like, oh my gosh, it's just going to take forever. Like that's the first thing that you think. And even on my worst marathons, there are still so many good things that came out of it that I want, I want that to be the first thing. It's like, don't Mm -hmm. just think because a marathon is really long and hard that there's it's just really long and hard because right. then, awful. Yeah. yeah, right. Then we get a bad view of whatever we're saying is a marathon yeah. and we get a bad view of the marathon. Um, yeah. another point. thing is that you just said it like that whole, it doesn't get easier thing. So true, but we can be better trained. We can be better yeah. equipped. We can be, um, you know, more, um, clinging onto Jesus more. And then it might, mu- we're, we're stronger in that way because we're relying on him. So, um, my hope is that the women that will, that say that, that say it gets easier, will change the way they think about it and say, I've just learned how to rely on Jesus more. I've just equipped myself better for it because it doesn't like there are different it's it gets different that's I I don't know I feel like that's the thing and for me that when I talk to someone that's like well I ran a half marathon so a marathon is just double that and I'm like that's like saying well a three-year-old is just like a or a six-year-old is just like a three-year-old doubled no it's not (laughs) like you it's the same thing a half marathon or a marathon is not a half marathon doubled. It's a whole different animal and you have to train and equip yourself in a different way for it. And that's the same thing as kids get older. You don't train for raising a three-year-old the same way you train for raising a 15 year old. And um, so I think that is where we get in the idea of like, we're always going to be equipping ourselves in a different way to keep running this race of motherhood. And you, um, you have Jesus there always and forever giving you that hope so that you can endure through it because you're not supposed to just endure it yourself. (laughs) It's not like, here's a child. Good luck. You know, um, (laughs) see you at the finish line. But anyways, um, but this idea that hope endures is like, you don't stop needing it at any point. You just have to keep going back for it over and over again, because you're going to need it in a whole different way. And I think that the the concept of the concept that hope endures is very much wrapped up in the idea that hope is also a choice because Mm -hmm. you have to choose to endure. You have to, like, I think, you know, at any given point, um, well, let me say, I think maybe the reason that Stacey and I have any insight into this six years post those really trying years, um, you know, of, of a different kind. Um, the reason we have anything to offer is because we endured by the, by the grace of God, by his power at work in us, we were able to choose to endure. And that's not human nature. It's not human nature to want to, um, 
do something uh, that hurts. When, when you put your hand on a stove, a hot stove, your nature is to want to get away from it as quickly as you can. And it's the same with the hurtful things in our lives. We want to run away. We want to get away from pain. But God says, if you will endure with me in the midst of this, there will be something more for you on the other side. And there, there always is. It's also really tied up with hope abounds because mm-hmm. um, it never runs out. So when you're thinking, well, uh, hope cannot get me through this. Yeah, it can, because yeah. it, it even got, it even went through death on the cross. Right. Like right. hope did not die with, you know, on the cross with Jesus, hope maintained through the whole thing with the people that believed he's going to rise again. And just like we do, we believe that that's coming. We believe death is not the end and yeah. it endures through all of that. And hope won the victory. Mm-hmm. Hope did it. it. You know, if Jesus is hope, then hope won. It's done. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, victorious battle that we are in. And so we can have, you know, we can have that um, in our sight as well, that the battle is already won mm-hmm. and we're on the winning team. Yeah, I won't quote it, but a great verse to look up is Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, where it really talks about the, that Christ endured. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's our example, and he endured the cross. And so when you think about that endurance that he went through um, and that that's who's running with us and um, within us, um, we can we can endure and, 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 and find great joy in that marathon. I love that you said that, Aaron, because I feel like um, they're running through it. They're so much of that is part of the joy too. It feels like, oh, I can't possibly push through this next level of pain or hard thing. But part of that is that's where we meet him. And part of that long run is that you, you keep reaching for him. So I think, I think we just need to remember that um, he crushed death. He can handle Monday or Tuesday or Thursday, you know, but he set that example for us. And it's a great verse to remember when you're really having a rough one. So, yeah. I, th- I think what we're all learning through this is that hope is more than just, well, I hope today goes well, yeah. you yeah. know, like I, 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 I think what all of us need to recognize is that word is so much more than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more powerful than, than a flippant. I hope, I hope this yeah. happens. So yeah. um, number nine, well, <laughs> this ties in really well. Number nine, <laughs> hope is bigger than my need. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I think, uh, I think that there's no way that God is going to be able to meet me and, and take care of my needs. Like, I feel like my, my, my needs as a mom of four is surely, surely there's, there's not going to be enough, but we've kind of touched on this before, but, um, I love this verse in uh, Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, that he is enough. He is enough. And um, I think too, that um, I think about, you know, the God who said, let there be light can light my darkness, that the spirit who hovered over the waters, like he, he hovers over sink waters too. Like there's nothing in my life that he hasn't already encountered and that he is, he has an unending supply of sufficiency for what I have as what my lack is. He has more. And I think there's never been a time, if I just even look at these past few years during this hope journey, that God has gone, oh, mm, Stacey, I got nothing for you. Like, I got, I got nothing on my end. Like, he's never said that. Like, every time I come to him with my needs, he supplies. He supplies himself, which is all we really need. Um, but then he does so much more by giving me, you know, other things as well, because he's so good. He's so good. 
Um, but I just think that that idea that um, where that lack is, and I think I love Brooke to speak into it, is if we've never felt that lack, then, then we wouldn't know that he wants to be strong in our weakness. I yeah. love Brooke's perspective on this point. I heard Chuck Swindoll, I didn't hear him, I read it actually. Um, he said that the, our problem is not that we haven't failed. Our problem is that we haven't failed enough that we know how deeply we actually need Jesus. Mm. And I love that. I know I always think of second Corinthians in these, uh, these verses. This gives me so much hope because I really am a weak person. I am. And it took me a while to admit that it, it, I, I didn't like to think of myself that way for the longest time. And that's part of my story that I share in hope for the weary mom is, you know, my kids kicked my feet right out from under me. They, they showed me all of my weaknesses. They brought things out of my heart that I didn't even know were there. I didn't know I was capable of being an angry mom. I didn't, you know, if you had asked people years ago in high school, if Brooke was an angry person, they would have said, no, that's, Mm -hmm. that's not how I was known. I was known as being in control and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a very goal oriented person. I, I check things off my list. And so when my kids, you know, scrapped all of that. When I realized for the first time that I couldn't accomplish raising the kind of boys that I wanted to raise on my own, it brought out all this weakness in me. Um, And I had to come to a place. I tried to hide it for a long time. I didn't want people to know how weak I felt and and how uh, incapable I actually was. I wanted them to think I was capable. Um, And I think we all do. But when I read those verses in 2 Corinthians, where Paul is talking about asking God to remove this thorn in his flesh, and we aren't, we don't know exactly what that was, but, but Paul says, you know, over and over again, God, would you take this from me? And God says, no, I'm not going to take it from you. Then Paul's reply to him is that he realized that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, he would boast all the more about his weaknesses. So the power of God could could be perfected in him, could be strong in him. And I remember when I, you know, I'd read those verses before, but I remember when I read them that first time when my heart was primed and ready to go and, to, to, and needed to understand that truth, I realized that my weaknesses are the catalyst for God's strength in my life, that actually I the best place for a Christian to be is on their knees in a place of submission, admitting their need, their daily minute by minute, second by second need for God. Because if we want God's strength to be that powerful in us, we have to admit how weak we are. And if we aren't willing to do that, then God's power will never be all that it can be in our lives. We were designed to need him desperately. And when we admit that, that's when his power goes to work in us. And I am so grateful now to realize that, man, I would much rather God be strong than me be strong because I will fail if it's all up to me. Hmm. Wow. There are, I can't think of a time where I have kept something I was feeling badly about myself or a sin, you know, locked up inside and felt hope about it. Like, I just really don't see that correlation ever happening in my life. It doesn't mean I have to broadcast it to the world. But like we said before, like naming my weakness, naming my feelings, naming my sin, whether it's out loud to God, 
whether it's to a trusted friend or to my husband or in a journal, writing it down, that's when I start to feel hope. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I do get caught in this lie that that can't be fixed. Like that's, there's no hope for that. I'm just going to be upset or worried about that forever. When I say it out loud, even to myself and say, I am struggling with this, or I need this. That's when I start to feel that hope come in and realize, okay, why did I think that God can't handle that? Why did I think that whatever I'm going through is bigger than what's, you know, bigger than what hope can do in that situation? So Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's, that is, that is hope itself is realizing, you know, like there is something bigger out there and nothing in my life is going to overtake that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. We are on to number Drum 10. <laughs> yeah, I know. I never did. A good, a good drum roll. Number 10. Hope can start now. Now. Today's a good day for hope. It is. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good tweetable statement. Mm-hmm. Um, hope can start now. You know, um, as we were working through this message um, years ago, I remember just, um, we were getting ready to do a live uh a live thing. I remember Brooke and I was like face down on my bed. I was like, Jesus, could we just, I just need something to give mamas like that they can like work through right now because these are great. I love talking about um, the why um, that is what really fires me up. But I really wanted something practical. And I was like face down on my bed and the Lord just like dropped this acronym in my head. Um, I know it's from him because um, he knows me and he knows that I'm super forgetful and he is so tender and sweet. So we came up from Jesus that day face down that hope is actually an acronym. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I love sharing, doing this with Brooke because um, we get to, we get to go back and forth about what it means. So um, I believe you start Brooke, right? Yeah. Yeah. The first Letter in hope is H, which is honestly admit where you are. And, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about that a little bit as we talked about second Corinthians, there is power in being honest about your struggle. If, if there's one thing that I would encourage you to do today, if you are that mom who has had, you know, curtains closed, um, don't look in my house. I don't want you to see what's going on. I don't want you to know my reality. I, I would be ashamed if you knew my reality, then I would say, open the curtain, open the curtain and find somebody that you can trust with this, this issue. You know, I refused to do it. I flat out refused to do it and God ended up doing it for me. And I would say that it's always better. (laughs) Because then you wrote a book about it, right? (laughs) God opened the curtain for me in a way that was painful. And and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that he did that. Now, I wouldn't go back to that curtains closed time for anything in the world um, because, I, you know, God's been so faithful to me there. But open the curtain and tell someone how you're feeling. Admit that you need Jesus right now. There is nothing wrong with weakness. The world that we live in wants you to believe that if you don't have all the strength that you need by yourself, if you can't keep all the plates spinning at the same time, if you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps and check off the goals on your list all by yourself, that there's something wrong with you. But I'm here to tell you that God made you to need him. And so you need to, you need to look at that in your life 
and admit your weaknesses. And again, those verses in second Corinthians say, boast in them, be proud of them, tell somebody and don't care about it because that's when God's strength is made perfect in you. Yeah, this was what we called our white flags. Um, and this, and, and then I'll move on to O, but I love this one. When, when we were like first raised our little white flags, like I know in my head that first time I wrote, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one struggling. And when Brooke emailed me that first time, she's like, white flag, mine's up too. Like, I'm weary too. Like, and then when we looked around and saw all these little white flags going up, like me too, like it was shocking to us mm -hmm. that we weren't the only ones that were weary and needed Jesus. And so it's one of the beautiful things that happens when you are willing to be honest is that it, it brings other people around you who have the same needs. And so not only does it, does it usher in your honesty with the Lord, but it also takes the veil off in front of other people. So that was a very, very big, big deal in the beginning of, of hope. It's just to be honest about where you are. So honestly admit where you are. And then O is openly invite Christ into your mess. Um, I love um, this idea that, um, you know, in Revelation 3.20, we hear that he says, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock and anyone who opens the door, I will come into him. This is Christ speaking. And so I was, I've always heard that Jesus is a gentleman, like he's never going to force his way into your life. And even if you're thinking about as a believer, I'm, I'm not talking necessarily about salvation, although um, we're going to get to that, what hope truly is. But um, as a believer, I think um, that we kind of section our lives off to the Lord. Like we might be okay with him being savior, but is he Lord of our mothering? Like, have we invited him into that space of our mothering journey or our marriage or our friendships, whatever that is. And so Jesus be Lord over the mothering in my life. Like, show me how to mother these children. Show me how to share your love with them. Show me my weakness and how I need you and, and to invite him into that space. And so inviting him in allows him to come in and renovate that heart, that place in your heart and really um, use it for his glory. And so I think we just need to remember that mothering is a space in your life and we need to invite Christ into that space. And then he is so at home there. He is so at home and willing to walk with you and teach you and to make you the kind of mom that he wants you to be. So yeah. oh, it's openly invite him into your mouth. I love that. The P in hope is for prayer. And if you guys have hung around the mob society for any length of time whatsoever, you know um, how we feel about prayer. I believe that prayer is one of the most important, but uh, most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. And that is unfortunate. I want to tell you today the story of what prayer did in my life. Mm. Um, and, and I want to I hope that that will allow you uh, or encourage you to get started if you haven't done it yourself. I've described for you the way that my two children kicked my feet out from under me and caused me to see my need for Jesus um, in a way that I'd never seen it before. And I'd been a believer for many years by the time I had my children. Um, so I realized in those early years, there, there were just so many nights that I went to bed crying because I knew that I had not been the kind of mother I wanted to be that day. And what it did was show me how desperately I needed God to do something, anything in my home to get a grip on the chaos that was, that was wreaking havoc in our home and in my heart. And I, I was just desperate. It created a desperation for me. And so I did the only thing as a believer that I knew to do in that time. And that was to turn to the, to the word of God. It, and, and I believed that there were two things that were true about the word of God. There's a lot more than that, but these were the two that came to my, to my attention in this time. One was that the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. I believed that the word of God was alive and that 
um, it could do something, change something in my home. I also believed that the word of God would not return void. I believed that it would do exactly what God set it forth to do. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what God's purpose was for his word in my home, but I believed it would do something. And so on the basis of those two truths, I began to pray, not because I knew what I was doing or was very good at prayer. I was pretty bad at it in the beginning, but I started to pray because I believed those things and I didn't know what else to do. And so I I began not only just to pray, but to pray the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so as I prayed the word of God back to him, I found myself uh, just very naturally in the word of God more and more. I was looking for verses to pray that applied to certain situations in our home. And so very naturally, my life began to engage more with the word of God as I sought God for what to pray for my family. And what that ended up doing, I have people ask me um, sometimes, what what did God do in your children when you started to pray? What kind of, what were some of the favorite uh, favorite answers to prayer that you had as you began to pray. And, and I could list a few of them for you, but I think what that time did that's more important than that is that it completely changed me. It completely changed me. It began to help formulate my theology. That's a big word, but it just means, you know, what I understand about God. It, it began to shape my understanding of the world. It began to replace the, I began to recognize more and more often when the enemy was telling me lies because I was reading the truth and I was saying, wait a minute, that doesn't smell quite right. That doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound quite right. Actually, this is what the word says. And so over time, as I just naturally spent more time in the word, I became a stronger Christian. I became a more confident believer. I became more confident in what I believed about God's word because not only did I read it, but I was trying to apply it and beginning to see the fruit of that in my home. And so the end result of that is that I was better able to parent my kids in, in a way that I wanted to, to, to raise godly men, which is, is my heart, all because I started praying the, the word of God. I didn't know that that's what was going to happen when I started. It just was a, a desperate need. Um, but that is what God did. And that is the power of prayer because prayer at its most simple is really just talking to God. It's really just talking to him, listening to him and getting to know him. It doesn't really have to be that much more complicated than that. Um, so I encourage you go start praying because there is no limit to what God will do in your heart and in your children's hearts as you begin to seek him in prayer. Mm. So good. I love listening to you talk on prayer. It's one of my favorite things. Um, Okay, so I'm going to review. H is honestly admit. O is openly invite Christ into your mess. P is pray continually. And E is encourage your heart with God's word. And Brooke just really illustrated that perfectly, how she combined that with her prayer life, which I think is gold. Like that is the ideal is that we we read God's living, active, sharp word, and then we have a response to it. And the, and the response is, is what we pray back to him. But I love um, this verse in Romans 15, 4, which basically says that the reason we have God's word is to train us and to stir up our hope, to give us hope. And so when we read God's word, we encounter hope. Like that's because hope is a person. And every time we open his word, we encounter him. And so I know as mamas, our, our schedules are crazy. I mean, 
you know, I was up last night till one or 2 a.m. I was up early. I know it's hard to have time to get in the word, but I mean, being in the word on any level, whether it's a verse here, if you have more concentrated time to study, 15 minutes will be a great start. Whatever you can do is to seek out time in God's word because that's where your hope is going to get stirred up. That's where all that fruit is going to begin to show up because you've taken the time to hide God's word in your heart and then talk to him about it. And that's, that's really, that's just a beautiful completion of that word and um, that hope acronym. I think um, that's one of the reasons why Brooke and I wrote the devotional was because we really wanted to give moms a tool to say, Hey, if you don't know where to start, like, so I remember when we first started sharing this acronym, I remember mama's coming and saying, how do I study God's word? I don't know how. And so we really wanted to give something to mamas that would allow them to say, here's a great place to start. And it's 40 truths about God every weary mom needs to know. And I, we just had somebody mention today, like, this is my favorite book that you guys have written. Um, because it's just a beautiful invitation to get into God's word and to pray. It also involves prayer as well. And some of our crazy mom stories as well. And, but that really came out as um, our desire to help moms get into the word. But what I love about the HOPE acronym is it's just the gospel. It really is the gospel. And you can use that as you're sharing Christ with moms or your kids, all of that. It's just it's bringing yourself into that relationship with Jesus and knowing that he is, he is HOPE. He has hope for the weary mom. He's hope for the weary dad and the kids and everything is that that hope, that truth about hope is it's really the gospel. It's really about seeing God birth that in your life. Um, in your motherhood. And I think it's just for both of us, it's just been such a beautiful reminder that um, we, we always have hope because we have Christ. And um, so that is the hope acronym. That's how I preach hope over to my life. Even today in my weariest moments, is to walk through that acronym um, consistently and just remind myself um, that I can have hope whenever I have hope right now. I love that. Yes. yes that's wonderful. Oh, I like, I feel so, um, like, like it was like a deep breath today for me to, re- to be reminded of these things that, that hope is, um, because sometimes we don't take the time to think on it as much as we can. And then it loses its power in our lives. And, um, today felt like a deep breath of remembering just how much the hope of Jesus changes our lives and how much it renews us and restores us and heals us and, so on and so on, all the things we've learned about it. Um, before we go today, um, I one thing I wanted to remind you that the book is Hope for the Weary Mom, and their devotional is called Hope for the Weary Mom too. But it's a it's a forty day devotional, um, and they would both be great ideas if you need a last minute gift to give to a woman that's a mom in your life. Um, or gift it to yourself if you haven't read it yet. Like, I can't think of a better thing to read going into Mother's Day weekend or coming out of Mother's Day weekend, either way, um, than this book, no matter where you are in your motherhood journey. So um, we can put, we'll put links to both of those up for you. Um, And before we leave today, um, there's this beautiful passage that you guys pray at the end of Hope for the Weary Mom. Would one of you mind praying that over all of us before we wrap up? Absolutely. I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. It's in the book. Yeah. And you have the book. Perfect. I have it in the book. I have it marked. I just feel like it's the perfect way to wrap up all of this as we're going. And um, 
thank you all for joining us and we will pray this over you and then we will sign off um, for a uh, weekend that we've been waiting for all week. Right. <laughs> so go ahead. Your weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and this comes from Psalms 20, one through four. And um, this is what it says. So this is our benediction for you. Um, May the eternal's answer find you and come to rescue you when you are desperately cling to the end of your rope. May the name of the true God of Jacob be your shelter. May he extend hope and help to you from his holy sanctuary and support you from his sacred city of Zion. And may he remember all that you've offered to him and may your burnt sacrifices serve as a prelude to his mercy. May he grant the dreams of your heart and see your plans through to the end. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Brooke and Stacy, for like this follow-up, this, you know, for writing the book originally, but for following it up with how it has um, revealed itself over these years. And we, we pray that those of you that haven't encountered the book before and this idea of what hope can do in your life, find that anew this weekend. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.